All right, we're going to have a great night. We want to welcome our online guests tonight. Give them a big hand clap. We're so honored that you're taking the time to come in and join. Tonight's going to be a really special night. Last night we talked about, not last night, last week we started a special series on the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to continue tonight. So please join me in welcoming one of our elders here at the church, Mr. Steve Williamson. All right. Thank you, Brother Vincent. I'm excited about tonight, and primarily because we've got our technical difficulties solved from last week. But I'm excited because the spirit of the living God is here. And even if you didn't think he was here, I know he's here because he's in me. And that means he's in you. And together, we're going to touch God tonight. Because, oh man, wherever two or more are together, what does the Bible say about that? He's here. He's wanting to hear. Hey, he doesn't mind hearing about himself. And we're going to talk a lot about him today. Because we're going to educate each other about the Holy Spirit. So tonight is our Holy Ghost story series. And we're going to talk tonight about the Holy Ghost. Surprisingly, right? We're talking about the Holy Spirit baptism. And it is a very well-kept secret in some circles. And is a very loosely understood secret in other circles. And what I, my, my calling, I believe, that uh, the Lord has given me is to make this more understandable for people. Because it is a, a really supernatural thing of all the supernatural things that God does. This is one of those things that he does through us and people get a little freaked out about it, to be honest. And they're confused about it, and they're, and, they're, uh, and they're like, well, why did no one teach me about that? Why did I never learn about that? And so I'm, you know, I, I'm endeavoring through this series uh, with Pastor Jack to enlighten you guys that some of you that have been around a long time, and you're going to see something and go, wow, I did not put that together. And some of you, it's brand new, and you're going to say, I didn't even know that existed. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. We're going to go through this, and we're going to talk about this Holy Spirit baptism. So the first thing I'm just going to talk about, just to get this out of the way, it is not the same as water baptism. People say, oh, that's water baptism. No, it's not. I'll tell you several examples. Here's John. John the Baptist says this. He says, hey, I baptize in water, but there's another guy coming that's more powerful than I am, and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So John, his name is the Baptist, right? Because he baptizes in water. Some versions even call him John the Immerser because he immerses people in water. And that is his role was to baptize people in water for repentance and then to uh, tell them to prepare the way of the Lord. All the scriptures about John says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he doesn't say, I'm kind of a big deal. He says, I'm just here to get your minds right and get you to repentance. So when the real you know, the heavy hitter, Jesus shows up, the Messiah, you're going to know that he's the real Messiah. And so he tells them right here, it's not even me that's doing this. I just baptize in water. He's making it clear. And then we go on to to Jesus on his last day on earth. Everybody say last day. day. He talks to a bunch of people somewhere near 500. And I remember when I I first read this, um, well, not the first time I read this, but the first time this, um, this awareness came to me when I had my first 
child, Jonathan, and he was a little boy. And at the time I was doing some traveling, I would go over to Europe and I would go places and I would have to say, you know, daddy's gonna be gone for a while and, uh, you know, be good and those kind of things. And, but he knew he would see me again. And it, it occurred to me, what if it was my last day on earth? What if I knew if I was leaving and I was talking to one of my children and I love this young man more than anything in the world? And so I would say, what, what would I say to him? I'd say, be good, stay out of trouble, take care of your mom, take care of your sisters. You know, I would say that sort of thing. But I would try to convey in him, what is the most important thing I could possibly tell this young man before he never sees me again? And here's Jesus. He's told them all kinds of parables about sowing and reaping. He's done all these things, right? He's healed people. He's done all this. It's his last shot. But what does Jesus tell them? He says, I've got something really important coming. But it doesn't come unless I leave. That, and it's so important, I'm willing to leave. I'm willing to leave. And he calls it a gift. It says here in Acts, this is on his, his last day, right before he, he uh, arose and went to heaven. It says, he gave him this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise that the Father has given, this gift. And he says, you've heard me talk about it. And again, now Jesus is talking, not just John. Jesus says, John baptized in water. That baptism doesn't change. But you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit in a few days. So again, separating that water and Holy Spirit baptism. John, who's a pretty big deal, says it. Jesus, who's a really big deal, says it. We shouldn't argue about that anymore, okay? It's a different baptism. So then, I think it's time to unwrap this gift. He's given us a gift, and it is much like, man, if I had a gift, I would give to somebody right now. If I had a gift, and I went down, and I gave it to Pastor Jack, and I handed it to you, and you didn't open it, what's the value of that gift? You don't, know, you don't even know what that gift is. And so what people do is they say, I heard about this. I'm just going to set that over there because I don't know what's inside it, and I'm kind of afraid of it. And I don't know what to believe in it, and I don't know if it's going to be a bad gift or a good gift. What does the Bible say? How much more is the, Holy, is the Father going to give you good gifts? He's the giver of love. He's the giver of life. He's only going to give you good things. So this is something that the Holy Spirit, I mean, something that the Father has promised as a gift to us. Is he going to give us a bad gift? He's going to give us an amazing gift. If it's something that's worth Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross for, and then Jesus says it's worth me leaving the earth for, isn't it something us paying attention to? Right? So he says, it's a gift we're giving to you, but how do we know this gift is real? Well, this is how you know. We can talk, you can listen to me, and I can be a world-renowned preacher, and people say, yeah, but that's just his interpretation. Right? You can talk to some, some big Bible uh, scholar, and they'll say, yeah, that's just interpretation. What we have to believe in is the Bible. The Bible is the inspired word of God. The Bible is our sole source of truth. Amen? Amen? So what does the, the Bible say? It says, any matter can be established by what? Testimonies and 
witnesses. So if the Bible is the word of truth, and we want to find out about the spirit of truth, let's go to the source. And from that source, let's figure out, um, do we have any witnesses that, talk, that, that we hear about this Holy Spirit? So we're going to go down these witnesses. On the left over here, and everybody has a piece of paper, you have the scriptures of all five of these events in your hand. Okay, I gave them to you so you don't have to go thumbing back and forth. I put all the stories together. So as I follow along and I show you a scripture, you can look and see the whole scripture. I'm going to give you a couple of abbreviations here. And, and you'll be able to read it in your own. You can get a pen out and circle stuff because later you're going to say, where did it say that? Where did Brother Steve say that happened? So we have some questions, though, as we go through these things. These are testimonies. These are events. These are biblical there are witnesses that saw these things happen, and we want to say, well, what happened there? Did these people have Christ? Did they know about Christ? Was Christ involved in any of these events? We want to know what action happened. There was some event that was worthy of, of us, of, uh, of capturing in the Bible forever. So what happened? And when whatever happened, happened, what was the result of that action? And then even with all that, What's the evidence? What proof do we have that we can tell someone else, this is true, and this happened, and here's why? Amen. Okay? So we're going to look at the evidence. We're going to be a little detectives tonight. So we're going to start with Christ, and um, just we're going to go through this. We're going to run through this because we have a lot of ground to cover. But it, I, I promise you it's going to be, it's going to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So we start with the first one. We start with the day of Pentecost. What does it say about the people in the, in the day of Pentecost? Peter, after they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he stands up among the believers and he said a lot of stuff. The point is, there was a bunch of believers there. If there were, um, Christ spoke to thousands of people, right? We know that for a fact. The Bible tells us that. And a bunch of them were there on the last day of earth. And 120 of them stayed around to see what he was talking about. Could you agree with me that these 120 were believers of Christ? They, they had seen the risen Christ, right? He was already dead, buried, raised again by this time. So these are people that, that weren't fly-by-night flaky people. These are people that are saying, no, I believe that he really was, is the Christ. And as believers, an event happened. We're going to go through each one of these to talk about Christ. Uh, the Samaritans, there's a group of Samaritans down there, and a guy named Philip, which we'll talk about later, went and preached to him. He told him all about Jesus, told him about the kingdom of God, and he proclaimed the good news of Christ. And these people, these Samaritans, they believed what Philip was preaching. And we know that because they went on and got water baptized. So Philip preached, they believed, and then on the left you see Peter and John. Then they said, hey, these guys are all believers. Uh, send Peter and John, kind of bring in the big guns. Philip was kind of a, you know, he was second in, kind of a, a lower layer preacher. And they're like, these are the big guys. You bring in Peter John, it's like, you know, someone really famous is coming to town. So Saul and Ananias, Saul di didn't believe he's the Christ at all. And he was throwing people in jail even for following him. He's going to Damascus, gets knocked off his donkey, bright light, voice speaks, and he says, who, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus, the one you've been hassling. Let's paraphrase and he says, Lord, what would you want me to do? Saul, immediately, he's blinded, 
and he accepts Christ. And, they, and his people take him along the way, and he starts praying. We'll get to that in a minute. Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius is a man with a, lot of, a, a large household and servants and things. He's over here praying. He has a vision. An angel comes to him and says, go find a guy named Peter, and he's going to tell you about Christ, and he's going to make it so that all, you and all your household are saved. Now, at the same time, we'll find out later, Peter's over here, and he's praying. And God tells him a bunch of stuff, and then he says, hey, there's some guys downstairs. They're, they're cool. Go with them. And I love how God does stuff like that. So Peter goes down. I imagine the guys from Cornelius' house are like, all right, are you going to talk? I don't know. Do you, I don't know this Peter guy. He, I heard he's, you know, he's maybe scary. I don't know, you know. All right, I'll talk. Okay. And they're like, um, and they got their speech ready. Um, um, uh, Mr. Peter, uh, you don't know us, but um, our master, he's, you know, and he, they don't even say their speech. They go, uh, Mr. Peter, he goes, yeah, let's go. And they're, he was like, I was expecting you. And they're like, how could you possibly be expecting us? We just found you. So it says, if it says that when he brings the message, they will all be saved, we'll find out later he did bring the message, and they were saved. Yeah. And they were saved before this baptism of the Holy Spirit thing happens. We'll get to that. Paul in Ephesians, he finds some disciples. They were already believers. Clearly, they're disciples. And he says, hey, did you guys hear about the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So when you accepted Christ? And they said, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And then they say, here's our third evidence on the baptism. Well, what baptism did you receive? And they go, John's baptism. And he goes, oh, no, this isn't. He, so he didn't stop there and say, oh, good. All right, well, good. All right, that's all I want to know. No, what he says, John's baptism, oh, no, that's good. There's another baptism. I need to tell you about this. Again, continuing to separate water baptism, which they call John's baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right? So we're going to action. So now we know these events happen. These guys had had an interface, an encounter, a teaching, uh, whether firsthand or uh, uh, with Christ or with uh, one of the, the disciples or one of his followers. Someone told them about Christ and they accepted that, uh, that, that teaching. Then, so something happened. Well, God knew something was going to happen. How many people know that God's go, God knows what's going to happen? He knows everything's going to happen. So this is no surprise to God. In fact, he says, way back in Joel, but Peter quotes him. Right after the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up among all of these folks who just got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he says, this, this, what you just saw, everybody's speaking in tongues and all that, this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. He says, because in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So God says that. So let me, let me make sure you don't, uh, everybody understands this. Peter, having just been there on the day of Pentecost, says, this thing that just happened is the thing God was talking about when he said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all mankind. But the thing he's talking about when he says that is what Joel, Old Testament prophet, prophesied in Joel 2.28. He said, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. So way, way, way back, thousands of years ago, God knew this was going to happen, right? 
And so we know when this pouring out of spirit, and you see the illustration up here in the top left, you know, the idea of God's pouring out his spirit on the people, um, God told them it was going to happen a long time ago. And I, I dare say Peter, under the unction of the spirit, said, they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know they were going to speak in tongues. They didn't know what exactly they were waiting for. They just knew they were waiting for the gift. But when he stood up full of boldness and he spoke to a whole town and said, these people aren't drunk. This is what the prophet Joel was talking about. This is what God promised us is going to happen. This is the gift we were waiting for. And you need to know about it. And Jesus said about the same event on the last day on earth, he said, in a few days, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, in a few days, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? That same day he's talking about, Peter said, this is what God was talking about when he said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So you see the, con the connection there, pouring out a spirit and baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, these, these two quotes are talking about the same event. So when we think about baptism, I think one of the things that confuses people is the whole water baptism. I believe in water baptism. This church teaches water baptism. Water baptism is a great thing. It's about showing, uh, um, showing the change in your life after you accepted Christ. It's asking for your sins to be washed away. You're committing yourself to Christ. It's starting that new life, that new covenant, and, and all that. Um, and if you want to be baptized in water, you can talk to one of us after the service. We'll hook you up on that too. So we're not, it's not talking bad about water baptism. It's just saying that is a separate event. When we talk about baptism, what does it really mean? Baptism really means immersion. It means to be engulfed, to be covered completely in something, right? So we think about being totally covered. And if you see the picture here, if we look at baptism from a different angle, we think about um, water baptism is like this, right? You put you all the way under, you're totally covered, and you bring you back up. And that is immersion. We don't sprinkle a little, a little water like some people. We believe in total immersion. But guess what? The, the, the word says that the Holy Spirit will come upon us. Right? And so what's happening is we're not going under. He's coming over. Amen. The Holy Spirit is coming upon us. And we'll see in this next thing. Because when we look at this and we say, okay, they're Christians. We know the action we're talking about was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But read the details. You can circle these. It's a good, good time to start circling stuff, right? It says, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It may say, come upon you. But think about this jacket has come upon me, right? Go to the next one, and it says, they arrived and they prayed for the new people because they had not yet received the Holy Spirit because he hasn't fallen upon any of them yet. Think about that last picture of, of, the Holy, of the water falling on that young man in the waterfall thing. The Holy Spirit is falling upon us. Saul Ananias does not say, we'll come back to him. Peter Cornelius, the Holy Spirit came on everybody that heard the message. Everybody. And they said, and here's how we know it, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. So there's, it says the Holy Spirit is coming on them. He's poured on them. And, and they're, the reason they say even the Gentiles, because they thought, I, 
At the time, I thought this was a, a Jewish thing. You know, this is the king of the Jews. And they're going, wow, even the Gentiles are getting into the action. And we're glad for that, right? Because that's us. Paul and Ephesians. Paul meets his Ephesians. He prays for them. And we pray for them. What happens? The Holy Spirit came on them. And, you know, these are just little onesie-twosie words here. But when you look at it as a pattern, you say, it's always the same pattern. And it's us taking these stories, these stories that happen months, years apart, and you put them together as a collective narrative on the Holy Spirit, and you see, wow, something's happening here. This pouring out thing is connected with this baptism thing, which is connected with this falling on thing, or coming upon thing. So we look at this, and we say, let's just make it easy. Let's summarize it. These are the, the key words in those scriptures. It says, he was baptized, came upon, fallen upon, poured out on. Those are the words that they used to describe the action that happened when, um, when these events happened. Everybody with me so far? Good. Because I've seen this a lot. I'll make sure you guys are catching it. Some of your faces are intense and some of you are like, what is he talking about? Okay, so for every action, there has to be a result. Right? If I drop this, have the option of dropping this, what's going to happen? It's going to fall. The gravity is going to make it fall, and there's probably some bouncing and some breaking and some other things happen. Anything that we do, uh, there's going to be result of the thing that we do. There's results for our words, right? When we, when we say things, there's consequences for that. So what is all this pouring out stuff? So we get to this thing we call results. And in results... The result of the first action on the day of Pentecost, they said, go wait there and you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he says, this thing happening is when the Holy Spirit's pouring out on us. It says the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what the result was, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? Not a surprise? Because everybody knows that scripture. Peter and John. They prayed for them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Okay, wait a minute. It doesn't say filled. It says they received. We'll come back to that. Saul and Ananias. Uh, Ananias is this very brave uh, Christian that uh, the Lord talked to and said, go pray for Paul. And he says, are you talking about the same one that's killing everybody? <laughs> yeah, that guy. He's like, whatever you need, Lord. And so he comes in and he says, Jesus, the one you met, asked me to come here for two reasons. One, so you would gain your sight, and two, so be filled with the Spirit. This is what Ananias said. And so right here it says, he sent me so that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is a good example of, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I know people, people are just petty about these things and picky about these things and looking for ways and loopholes to say it never happened. But the reality is this. I'm just a, a guy, Ananias, praying, and the God of the universe comes to me and says, I have an assignment for you. Am I going to do one of two things he did? Because we know Paul received his sight. But it doesn't say... And then Paul was filled with the Spirit. 
It just says he placed his hands on him and he received his sight. So the doubters say, well, Paul wasn't filled with the Spirit. Well, hold that thought because there's the rest of the story you're going to find out. But I'm saying that because the assignment was pray for him to get filled with the Spirit. So now Peter Cornelius, he's out here and he's talking to all these people and he's telling them about Christ. And what does it say happen? It says they received the Holy Spirit. And so Peter's saying, hey, they received the Holy Spirit. What does the last part say? Just as we have. We, Peter. When did Peter receive the Holy Spirit? Upper room, top line. What happened when he received the Holy Spirit? No, but specifically, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. So here it doesn't say explicitly the house of Cornelius was filled with the Holy Spirit. But what it says is they received the Holy Ghost. And Peter says, they received it just like I did when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? So again, we're connecting these two. Peter, he's, I mean, he is the first person to step into history and say, this is what we've been talking about. This is what God's been promising. This is what Jesus told us on his very last day on earth when he said, I got something really important to tell you before I leave, go away from this baptism. And Peter stood up and said, this is it. This is God pouring out his spirit. Peter knows his stuff better than anybody, right? And Peter says, hey, this thing that just happened in the house of Cornelius, that's the same exact thing that happened to us on the day of Pentecost. You with me? So we, we, don't, we can't get caught up in, well, it doesn't explicitly say, hey, Peter said they, got, they received the Holy Spirit. It says they got saved. It says they got water baptized. It says all these things, and we'll come, to, we'll come to another rest of the story in a second. So we know that they, got, uh, they were filled with the Spirit. And in Paul in Ephesians, he asked the same thing. He says, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they say, no, we just got water baptized. And so, again, Paul's not saying, oh, I was just checking. He was wanting to know, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? And so this is one of those things that confuses people. When you, when you put it side by side, you see half the time it says they received it, half the time it says they were filled. So is that, uh, is that conflicting? And I'll tell you why it's not conflicting. Because when God pours out a spirit, you have two choices. If you're a closed vessel, like this jar over here, you have a lid on, and if I try to pour something in that lid, it will not accept it. It will, it will not allow itself to receive any liquid. Amen. Right? But if I'm an open vessel, if I pour something into it, it will receive. Amen. Guess what happens if it receives? If the vessel receives, it will be filled. So receiving is just the first action to be filled. And I'll tell you why, you know, we raise our hands. We say, Lord, let it be done. You know, I worship you. So you're not just saying, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a bit like a bow thing. Lord, you're worthy and honored. And that's why we raise our hands. But it's also saying, here am I, Lord. Use me. What do you need me to do? Teach me. 
Help me. Holy Spirit, fill me. And here's the difference between this is an open vessel and this is a closed vessel. Right? Now, I close my arms, right? It happens. It's not a, it's not, you know, you're not going to hell for crossing your arms, right? But often, it's this little sign of an attitude. They teach us in a, in a management school and stuff. They teach you how to read body language and what people are thinking. They have their legs crossed and their arms crossed and their brow furrowed and all those things. But if you're doing this, uh, often people have the attitude of, well, if God wants me to have something, he can just bring it. Because I ain't going to look for it, and I'm not going to go out on a limb, and I'm not going to try really hard, because if he's the God of the universe, he can do whatever he wants to. Yeah, but the God of the universe created a thing called free will. Amen. Right? And the free will says, we have to say, fine. You know, we have to, we have to say, I'm willing. And I can remember this. And I wasn't, you know, when I, when I was uh, searching about things like this, I was in a spot where uh, I came from not learning about the Holy Spirit to a, to a place where the Holy Spirit uh, manifestations were around me in this new church I was going to, and a lot of people raised their hands, and you know, and people prayed out loud. And where I grew up, the only person that could pray out loud was one really old guy in the back <laughs> who was an elder, probably like I am now, and he was like, he'd been there long enough, all right, we'll let you say something. The rest of you guys, keep your mouth shut. We'll tell you what to do. But you go into a place where everybody has a relationship with Christ, and we talk to him. And we say, we thank you, Lord, that the, you know, the spirit of the living God is in here, and we thank you for everything you're doing for us. And so when we, when we speak to him like that, and so I had gotten to this place where I was, I was started like this, where I don't know about all that stuff, right? And I started seeing more evidence of it, and I was like, Oh, maybe there could be some stuff like that, you know. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll give it a little one of these things, you know. And maybe, uh, maybe occasionally I'll give one of those. But I'm not here yet. And so I was, uh, I got to a point where, you know, I, I have a very logical mind. And I, uh, and I need proof. I need evidence. I need something to say, show me where that says that in the Bible. And then I'll believe it. And I just taught myself right into a corner because of this stuff where I went through and I go, what about this? And I go, it says here they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, every one of them. Huh? Okay, well, what about this here? It says they were all filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. Huh? Okay, what about this? And I got to a point where I said, I just can't deny this. Either I have to deny the entire Bible and say none of it's true or all of it's true. And if all of it's true, then why am I arguing about this? Why am I denying this? Why am I fighting against it? Why is my lid on so tight? And, you know, you can say this was coincidence or you can say it's destiny. But at that time, Pastor Jack Sr. was at uh, a different church and he was on staff there. And they said, tonight... Pastor Jack's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. So if anybody wants to know about the Holy Spirit, come to this Sunday night service. And so I was like, well, I get, might as well. I was to the point where I don't, I'm running out of arguments. And so I went. And, and, and Pastor Jack, everybody knows Pastor Jack. He's very non-assuming. He's 
you know, he's gentle, he's loving, he's kind. He's not a Helen Brimstone kind of preacher. He doesn't hit you with his Bible. You know, he's just very, uh, for lack of a better term, normal. And he was up on a little platform like this. And, and I was down there. And he was like, so here's the whole, he told us the story about the Holy Spirit. And he said, so now if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, let's do it. And I remember the thought, this is it. Because now I'm out of questions and I'm out of excuses. But even as he's walking down, he's walking down the stairs and he's coming closer. He's coming closer. And I'm going, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how this works. I don't know. I just know that it seems to be true because the Bible talks about it. And so I did one of these. I was like this and I go, I don't know what else to do, Lord, but this is real. I want it. And I did that. And, and that unscrewed my lid, wow. to be honest. As simple as that, it unscrewed my lid. And Pastor Jack, I like to say he had some amazing, you know, thing he did. But what he did was this. He walked by and he said, bless Brother Steve. And when he touched me, boom, I was filled with the Spirit. It was that moment, exactly that moment that it happened. And I'll tell you why that's significant in a moment. This is good, man, this is good. Just bring it back, that story is good. So we have this giver. There's always a giver. And there's always a receiver, right? So the giver is God. He's pouring out. He has the action. And we are the receiver, or sometimes we are the rejecter. Only we can be the rejecter. You can't reject my faith. You can't reject. You can, you can chastise me. You can make fun of me. You can put me in chains. <laughs> What's it, Paul and Silas? You put them in chains, and they just had a worship service. They just started singing. You can't stop that. You can't put the lid on somebody else. So once the lids are unscrewed, you're a receiver. And then it's a question of, I'm only a receiver if I'm asking him to do something. I need you to give me something to receive. So we'll talk about how that works in a minute. So when, the, when you receive the baptism, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Again, here's the summary. Here's the events. They're baptized. They're poured out. They got received. They got filled. Then what happens? Well, first let's look at who was filled. Because people say, yeah, some people, uh, Cornelius's friends. I don't know those guys, you know. Who else did it happen to? Well, guess what? A whole bunch of people. All the disciples. Would you say the disciples are pretty important in the Bible? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mary, Jesus' mother. Did you say she has a pretty important part of the Bible, right? 120 of his closest followers, we talked about that in a second ago. The people who were the diehards, that really believed. His brothers were there, his natural brothers. Some people don't believe this, but read the book. It says Jesus had brothers, not just like brethren, but people that, uh, that were brothers with Mary and Joseph. The Samaritans we talked about, Paul. So Paul was filled with the Spirit. It says Ananias came to pray for him to be filled with the Spirit. 
And later on, we'll read that it says in, Act, in this Acts uh, 13, 9, it says, and Paul, being filled with the Spirit, did so-and-so. And Paul, being full of Spirit, did so-and-so. So it gives us indications later on. Cornelius' household, the Ephesians, and other people. So those are the events we talked about, but there's some other ones that are sort of lesser-known events we sort of slide by. And one of them is this, the new believers in Jerusalem. This is the 3,000 or how many thousand it was back then, the very first ones after the day of Pentecost. They all went and they started sharing things and living together and, 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 and doing all these great things. And it says, after you know, Peter came back and talked to them and they had prayed, the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now we're not talking about you know, Peter and Paul. We're talking about thousands of people. It's, it's hitting, it's going, it's spreading. Now these, just to be clear, these people were not the people on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. These are people that got saved after Peter went out and preached to them and told them about Christ. Amen. There were a chosen seven. Later on in the Bible where it says the, uh, the disciples were getting busy, they need to be busy doing ministry stuff. So we said, we need to select some people that can help us with some of the tasks, working with widows, working with whatever, feeding the people. And so they selected these people. You recognize some of them. Stephen, Philip, right? And it says, let's find people who are known to be full of the Spirit. And they chose Stephen, they highlighted him, because he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Again, continued separation of, we're not just saying, yeah, he's full of God, yeah, we get it. No, no, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, because it's a, it's a different thing. There's a reason out of the thousands of people, seven guys got chosen. Because these guys, they knew were full of the, full of the Spirit. Philip is the one that went down to talk to the Samaritans in our earlier discussion, right? Stephen is the one who, who was stoned while a guy named Saul was holding the jackets of the people that stoned him, right? Stephen, uh, Stephen even looked up and saw Christ. So we know these important figures in the Bible were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there's Barnabas um, later on in, in various ministries and working with Paul and others. It says, they, when the news reached the ears of Jerusalem, they said, let's send Barnabas because you know what? He's a guy that's full of the Holy Spirit and faith. So they chose people that were not wishy-washy about their faith. Amen. They chose people that knew about Christ. They chose people that, had been, uh, that received the baptism and had been filled with the Holy Spirit. These are the people they want doing their work. That's why it's important we have spirit-filled pastors and leaders in our church because our job together is to lead our flock, right, into teaching and educating and, and uh, loving and caring and all those things, and also sending forth, like Brother Vincent, and his, um, his ministry to go out and talk to the apartments and to the greater Houston to tell them about this Christ that we learned about. All right, I got to keep going. But what proof do we have that these people were actually filled? It just says they were filled. And, you know, there's no water that comes down and there's no, you know, there's no magic uh, as people want to see. They want to see something big happen. It's sort of like what happened with, with Pastor Jack. You know, when he prayed for me, I didn't fall on the floor. He didn't fall on the floor. You know, there was no lightning bolts. It, it just happened, right? 
And so people go, how do I know that really happened? Well, let's look at the evidence again. The way any case, any, any lawyer, any police department, anybody that's trying to prove someone's innocence or guilty uh, of, of any event, they look for evidence. Now, I like detective shows. And I like to follow them, and I like to try to figure out the case before they do. And nowadays, they look at everything like, you see fingerprints up here, and they, they find DNA, they find you know, blood, they, they find hair, they find uh, a broken tail light, a piece of a tail light, and they match it up with the car that has a broken tail light. They find evidence that says, this is how we know this happened. So evidence is really about something physical, something visible, some proof that there's no denying it. There's no like, well, that's your opinion. It's evidence. They go, I wasn't there. And they go, yeah, but your fingerprint says you were there. You can't deny this fingerprint because only you have this one. Sidestep, a little hallelujah for God, making everyone else with a different fingerprint. How hard was that? Look how big the surface is. That's hard. And it has to be facts that are tied to some event. So it's the sort of thing where um, I found shell casings, you know. I found a bullet. Now we take this bullet. That's a fact. I have this bullet in my hand. And I take the gun you have, and I can match the spiraling on the bullet, and I can tell it came from your gun, exactly your gun. They're unique. And so we, take, we need facts like that in our world of doubt and unbelief to prove people that this stuff really happened. Because it happened thousands of years ago, right? So look at, let's look at some evidence. On the day of Pentecost, how do we know that they received the Holy Spirit and they're filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it say? It says, because they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So first, evidence. They spoke in tongues. And it was so weird that people were like, what is going on? They're like, are these people drunk? I mean, that's what they said, right? And that's why he stands up and says, this is not, they're not drunk. We've all been filled with spirit, just like the Bible told us we would. And how they know that speaking in tongues is not just some gibberish, because it says the spirit enabled them to do this. The Holy Spirit gave them the words to say. That hasn't changed. Okay, but that was the day of Pentecost. That's the first day Jesus left and everybody said it was a big deal because the Holy Spirit was coming down and wanted to make sure that we had a big thing and that was just for back then that one day. I beg to differ. Saul and Ananias. Saul prays for him to be filled with the Spirit. Doesn't say anything about being filled with the Spirit. It says that he, he got up and he got water baptized. But guess what? Later on in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you do. Amen. Well, what did this happen to Paul? It happened that day and a nice prayed for him, right? So you can't just look at that event and say, it doesn't say he spoke in tongues. Well, keep reading your Bible because down here it says that he speaks in more tongues more than anyone. And you say, well, where did that happen? Huh, go back, back, back. Must have happened when God told that man Ananias to pray for him to be filled with the spirit so he would speak in tongues. That makes sense, right? Because it, that's how it happened. Peter and Cornelius, He's preaching to them. The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out. And how they know it had been poured out on them? Because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, 
Not that they heard that they interpreted their tongues, but they were like praising, they were speaking in tongues and they, were saying, and they were saying, praise God, hallelujah. They were talking in English or whatever their language was. They were, they were praising God and they were speaking in tongues. And, and that's when Peter said, this is even happening to the Gentiles because there were Jewish guys there with him, right? And he goes, hey, are you seeing what I'm seeing? This has even happened to the guys that aren't Jews. And they're like, this truly means that there's no, there's no uh, difference, right? God's no respecter of persons. And then he says, and I recognize this. This is speaking in tongues. This is a spiritual language. This is what I have because I got this on the day of Pentecost because I was there with 120 in the upper room. Paul in Ephesians says, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them again. And what happened? They all spoke in tongues and prophesied. So are we seeing a pattern here? Right? Peter, John, the Samaritans. It doesn't say they spoke in tongues. What it says is there's a sorcerer there named Simon. And Simon is following him around saying, tell me, I mean, tell me about this Jesus. Tell me about what this miracle is. Tell me about this. And, he, and then he sees the Holy Spirit come upon them. And something he saw was so amazing that he said, I will give you money if you can teach me how to do that. That's what the Bible says. I will pay you to teach me how to do this. You know, if he was a, uh, there was a, there's a TV show on where there's a couple of magicians and they, this is, this is not Old Testament, this is today, okay, back to today. There's a TV show, a couple of magicians, and they have magicians come on and they do a trick and what they do is try to figure out how they do it. And if they can fool them, they win a prize. And so the magicians come on and they do something and they go, and they go, that was really well done. That was great sleight of hand. And they go, that was the, uh, the Williamson maneuver, right? And they go, yeah, you got me. That's what I thought, you know, because they know the tricks. They know this, you know, fake cards or, you know, whatever it is that they got up their sleeve. These guys recognize fake. So here's the guy who this was, his, he made a living doing this. He knows fake. And he sees something that says, I don't know how you're doing this. This is, I've never seen anything like it. It's amazing, it's miraculous. I will give you money so I can add this to my act. So I'm telling you, the reason it was so amazing, it was supernatural. Amen. And it's supernatural because it was speaking in tongues. And this guy lived there with these people. He knew, he's like, there's Joe and Bill. Those two guys, I know them, they work down at the wharf. They're, they're speaking in this unknown tongue. Man, how did the guy get him to do that? You know, you see what I'm saying? There's a, a familiarity of, it's not just, uh, he probably hired all these people to come in here and do this. We, in our uh, jaded minds, we think, yeah, that guy, that guy, one guy did it. Yeah, he's probably a plant. I'm sure that the guy that paid him to do it. Wait a minute, everybody did it. Wow, I don't know how he did that. So he saw something, and so I give to you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that what he saw was them speaking in tongues. Amen. So here's what it looks like from an overall thing. And I see that I'm running out of time, so I've got to really push through this. They get baptized, the Holy Spirit pours out, and they're filled, and they speak in tongues. So the question becomes, is the evidence reliable? Is the witness reliable? You hear that in a courtroom, right? I think we got a pretty good case. We have the written proof, which is the Bible, the undisputed word of God, right? Inspired by God, 
never change forever. We have statements from Jesus, the one and only Son of God. We have these witnesses, all the heavy hitters, the disciples, Mary, all the people we talked about, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. All these guys talked about this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And they said, this is real. This happened to us. Here's when it happened to us. Here's when it happened to a bunch of other people. Over and over, we have witnesses and witnesses and evidence and evidence. So the question then becomes, yes, I believe it did happen back then. And most people say that was for the apostles. But I just showed you a bunch of people that weren't apostles that it happened to. You know, Cornelius' household, the Ephesians, the Samaritans, even the other people in the upper room. There's only 11 of the disciples, or 12 by then, I can't remember. And, you know, 100 more guys. Well, if you look at a timeline, because we look at, you know, we turn the page and we think, oh, this, is, this must have been Saturday, next page Sunday. No, next page might have been two years after that. Because we've crammed it all together in a the, in the, in the book that we can carry. And it says, if everything that Jesus did was in a book, it there wouldn't be enough books in the world to, to cover it. So let's just look at a few of them here. Day of Pentecost, A.D. 30. So that's, let's just start with 30, okay? Uh, and about a year later, Stephen and Philip. About a year later, the Samaritans happened. Three or four years later, Paul, Cornelius, go down to the Ephesians, the Corinthians. Now it's 24 years later. So year after year after year, it kept happening. It didn't happen the week of Pentecost. It wasn't a special week. I mean, it was a special week, but it wasn't the only week. And I, I tell you what else. About 1,988 years later, it happened to me. Amen. So I know that at least 2,000 years later, it's still happening. Amen. And I guarantee you there are people in this room that would say, it happened to me in the last 10 years, so it's still happening. We talked about this in the last session. God has a plan. God sent Jesus. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not sending anybody else. He's, he's our guide. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. He's here to help us through all of this stuff. So here's the process. It's simple. God pours out. Holy Spirit falls. We receive. We get filled. We speak in tongues. That's it. Now the whole first hour you didn't have to hear. But now you know why I believe this is how it happens. Because the Bible proves this is how it happens. Over and over, the evidence and all that. So then the question becomes, how do I receive this Holy Spirit baptism? Even if I believe that's how it happens, how do I actually do it? When, after I got, uh, received the baptism that night, um, I went home and I told my wife, I don't know how that happened and I don't know how to do it again. And so I just did the same thing. I went to my closet because I heard about a thing called a prayer closet. I went to a regular closet made it a prayer closet. And I said, I said something simple like this, Lord, I don't know how all that happened, but I know it was real. And so I want to, I'm going to speak in tongues again. And I said, praise your Lord. Boom. There it is. And it came. And I started speaking in tongues immediately. And it wasn't like, wait a minute, let me, you know, I'm giving you a lot of instructions, but it's not like, okay, let me write that down. One, and then two, and then one day later. No, it's just you receive, you get filled with the Spirit, you speak in tongues, and it happens. So, to help people, though, I provide these instructions. One requirement. Does anybody know what one requirement is to 
to that's it, Jesus Christ. Guess what? Jesus is the baptizer. John said, I baptize in water, but this guy, Jesus, is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You cannot be baptized in the Holy Spirit if you don't ex accept and believe in the one who does the baptizing. Amen. Then, a couple of little, little helpers here. So, salvation required. Laying on of hands is common. Laying on of hands sounds all churchy and, and people use that kind of term loosely, but it's simply this. I just, I'm just going to my sister here and I just say, thank you for my sister. That's laying on of hands. It's, there's nothing really, you know, dramatic about it, right? But I'll show you examples real quickly. Peter and John, it says they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Saul and Ananias, Ananias went on his way and laid hands on him and we know he received the Holy Spirit. The Ephesians says Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So we know there are several examples in the Bible where it says laying on the hands helps. But you know what it helps really? It's a faith thing. I can tell you without any doubt, 100%, this is real. And so if I pray for you, if you're kind of questionable, sometimes I help your faith. That's what we do. Not, not me, Steve, but me as a Christian, me as a believer. That's what Pastor Jack did. I was like, I think it's real. Pastor Jack knew it was real. When he put his hand on me, it happened. But guess what? Sometimes it happens without hands. Okay? Sometimes it happens just when Peter, it says Peter was just speaking to the crowd and telling them about Christ and all the wonderful things, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I wondered about this. And I, when I was studying about the Holy Spirit, and I said, you know, Lord, you know, teach me all the ways this happens and all that. And so I was studying about this, and a lady called me, and she asked me to come do a conference. And so she hooked up the hotel, did the whole thing, sent out the invites, and I came and spoke. And I found out um, somewhere in the midst of that process that she was doing this for her new son-in-law. She had a daughter who believed in the Holy Spirit and she had a son-in-law, a lot like me, who didn't know if he believed it. And so she basically said, hey, let's make a, let's make a conference, invite you, Steve, and I'll get him to come. Like, hey, why don't we come? Secretly, it's all for him. Yeah. And so I, uh, I teach on the Holy Spirit. At the end, I ask for people, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come up front and we'll pray. And so the whole crowd fills up. I don't even know which one he is. I pray for all these people. They all get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They all speak in tongues. And um, I remember there was a really big man with a cowboy hat on. And stand up, Robin. It's up here. And he came up, and he was about this tall to me. And he, get, and he gets, but he gets up right next to me, and he says, I want what that is. I want what you have. And for a minute, I thought he was going to punch me, right? But he came right up to me. He was a very tall man, and he goes, and he had a very serious look, and he goes, I want what you have. And and then I was like relieved, right? And so I prayed for him and he received. Thank you, ma'am. Um, so get done with it. Afterwards, the lady comes up and she's like, thanks for coming and all that. And I said, um, what, 
I said, I'm sorry, I don't know which one was your son-in-law. And she said, oh, he didn't come forward. And I thought, oh, well, I'm kind of disappointed for her and for the young man too. And then she goes and talks to him and, and her daughter was there too. And then they come down and he shook my hand. And, and so I would just kind of, you know, do you have any questions? And he said, no. He goes, um, it happened to me back in my seat. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, I spoke in tongues. Um, he said, thanks for, you know, thanks for coming. And so it was like, I was like, yeah, but I was here, sitting here for you. I was here. I was ready. You know, I had the hands. Everybody was here. You didn't come. And God's like, I didn't need you. Right. I got this. So it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a humble thing for me too. It's going, oh yeah, I forgot God. I'm here as a vessel, but I don't, you don't need me. You don't need lay on hands. You can just reach somebody right over there. And then I had another friend, a really good friend of ours. And, um, and so I was telling her about it and I was teaching her about it. I gave her a copy of my book and I said, uh, if you have any questions, let me know. And nothing. She never had another question, never talked to her. And so I thought, man, you know, I really wish, because she kind of came from a similar background for me, and I was hoping I could really help her, you know, a little breakthrough. And then later on, I had enough time passed, and I said, hey, did you ever um, have any questions about the Holy Spirit? She goes, oh, no, I, I already received the Holy Spirit. I was like, and so I'm like, you know, you know she going, you mean water baptism? Do you know what you're talking about? And so I said, you mean the baptism of the Holy Spirit? She goes, yeah, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in my house. And I said, and you spoke in tongues. And she said, I did. She goes, I just sat down on my bed and I said, Lord, I want this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it happened. Just right there sitting on the corner of her bed. And again, I was like, this is so great. And then I had a third friend. This will be the last friend I talk about. Who I said, his name was George. I said, George, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And he said, I'm not sure because he was going to church longer than I was. And I said, have you had the experience? Have you spoken in tongues? He said, well, I hear them. I just never say them. And it was the first time I really realized that when you get baptized and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you still have to speak in tongues. You are full, but your mouth is closed God doesn't speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. You speak in tongues. And I said, you just need to open your mouth and speak that out and let the Holy Spirit free. And he did, and it did. Okay, real quick. Prayer is important. I'll say this. Is, is, a, uh, is it a you know, specific, we've got to pray this thing before it happens? I'm saying what the Bible says. It's, it's often a factor. We look at these same places. They were constantly in prayer on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Peter, John, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Saul and Ananias, um, the Lord told Ananias, go to a guy named Saul because he's praying. He's blind. He just met the Lord, but he's praying about whatever you got, Lord, I want it. Uh, Peter in the house of Cornelius. Peter's on one side of the town praying on the roof. Cornelius on the other side of town, he's praying also. So these two meet, 
Amazing things happen. The whole household gets saved. They all get baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, all that. So prayer is always important. So never underestimate the power of prayer. All right, and I'll wrap up here. The last thing is you have to ask Jesus to baptize you. Now, there are examples where someone can come up and they just don't know and they just say, Lord, you know, I believe in you. Give me what you got, you know, and you get it, right? But if you're on that edge and you're like, I'm not really sure, then you just ask him, say, Lord, Jesus, you're the baptizer. And it says you're the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit, so I would like to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And you do that, and he does his part. So the last part is believe and receive. So, again, if you say, I believe you're the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, and then you screw your lid on and you go, now make it happen. You know, he doesn't make it happen. This is about free will. You have to be ready to receive. So my question to you is, are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to pour out on you? Are you going to be filled? Or are you going to be blocking the Spirit? Right? And so people kind of do this. They, they say, um, I would love to see Jesus, but not that tongue stuff, you know? And they're kind of like, they get this hand wet, and then they get this hand wet. But we want to be full of the Spirit. We want to be like that young man with, the, with the, being totally immersed and totally full, filled with the Spirit. Right? So the question now, why not today? So I'll close with this, and I'll let Pastor Jack do what he wants to do, but I'm going to be up here, and if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to speak in tongues, if you want a refreshing of the Spirit, I am feeling the anointing, and I would love to pray with you guys. Pastor, I'm going to proceed.